Welcome to the Christ-Centered Body Image Podcast. I'm your host, Sharissa. I'm an online nutrition coach and the founder of Christ-Centered Body Image, an in-depth course on body image from a biblical perspective. I love learning about the Bible, doing fitness, and helping people improve their eating habits. This podcast exists to share more information to those who are interested in learning about a God, Christ, and biblical perspective of the body. My hope is that the information and experiences shared here from myself and guests help you to change the way you view and relate to your body from God's perspective. Looking forward to having you on the show. friends, welcome back to another episode of the Christ-Centered Body Image Podcast. Thank you for being here. So today's episode, I want to introduce you and talk to you about some women in the Bible and through some of their stories, some life lessons we can take from their stories. And something I want to also share, as I always do in the podcast, is this is my humble attempt to bring the topic, uh, to bring a biblical perspective to the topic of body image. And today's episode isn't 100% about body image, but I think there can be some important lessons that we can take away that could be related to body image, but then also it's like other parts of our lives. So let's get started. So the first person that I want to introduce you to is Sarah in the Bible. Sarai is her name at first, and eventually her name is changed to Sarah by God. But so we meet Sarah in Genesis. And so she is the wife of Abraham. So I'm going to read to you some scripture and then we'll chat. I'll kind of point out the specific things that I am going to like refer to in these stories. And then after at the end, after I've shared all these different stories and all these different women, then I'll kind of go back to some of the life lessons. So at one point in time uh, that we're in Genesis 12, 10 through 20 for this first story about Sarah. So there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. So Abram was Abraham's name before it was changed to Abraham by God. As I was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me but will let you live. Say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarai was beautiful, was a very beautiful woman. When Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys and male and female servants and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now then here's your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders to Abram and his men and they sent him away on his wife with his wife and everything he had. So the point I want to point out is that Abram was like, Sarah, you're beautiful. They're probably going to kill me because you're beautiful. So say you're my sister. Lie and say you're my sister, man. What a great husband. (laughs) All right. But so now continuing Sarah's story in Genesis 16, 1 through 16. So Sarai, Abram's wife. Well, just a little bit of backstory. Sarai was unable. She was barren. She was unable to have children. And I think this might have actually been pointed out to us earlier in the Bible. It might have been 
in some er more earlier chapters of Genesis. It might've even been before Genesis 12. I forget specifically what chapter I would have to go back and refer to it, but just some context, because that's where Genesis 16 starts out talking about. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my slave in your arms. And now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. And Abram said, your slave is in your hands. Do whatever you think is, do with her whatever you think is best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And, she sa and he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from? And where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai. She answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well at Beer Lahai Roy is still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son and Abram gave him the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. So his story, just to point out that Sarai, she was unable to bear children. And then she ended up having Abram sleep with her slave. And so then her slave Hagar had a child, but then Hagar was mistreated. She was abused by Sarai. So there's another woman we're meeting in the Bible is Hagar. Um, and then Hagar flees, but then God sees her and helps her. And then to continue the story with Sarah, we're in Genesis 17 now, 15 through 22, the next chapter of the Bible or in Genesis. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Where Sarah built bear a child at the age of 90. And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, yes, your wife, Sarah will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I've heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant, I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. So God's telling Abraham that Sarah is going to have a son, that Abraham is going to give um, him a son through Sarah. And that is going to be the son that he's going to establish the covenant with. So God's telling Abraham and Sarah, or he's telling Abraham that Sarah is going to have a son. So then in the next chapter, Genesis 18, 10 through 15, then one of them said, this was, um, some people had come and were like staying with Abraham. But so then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to her, her, herself as she thought, 
after I'm worn out and my Lord is old and now I will have this pleasure. And the Lord said to Abram, Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the point of time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid. So she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. But God is now telling Sarah that you are going to have a son. You know, she yeah, overheard them telling her that she was going to have a son. So this is the last story of Sarah in Genesis 21 through 18. Now, Abraham moved on from there into the region of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Sur. For while he stayed in Gerar and there, Abraham said of his wife, Sarah, she is my sister. Then Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent for Sarah and took her. But God came to Abimelech in a dream one night and said to him, you're as good as dead because of the woman you have taken. She's a married woman. Now Abimelech had not gone near her. So he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And didn't she also say, he is my brother? I have done this with a clear conscience and clean hands. Then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know you did this with a clear conscience. So I have kept you from sinning against me. That is why I did not let you touch her. Now return the man's wife, for he is a prophet. He will pray for you and you will live. But if you do not return her, you may be sure that you and all who belong to you will die. Early the next morning, Abimelech summoned all his officials. And when he told them that all, all that happened, they're very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham in and said, what have you done to us? How have I wronged you that you have brought such great guilt upon me and my kingdom? You have done things to me that should never be done. And Abimelech asked Abraham, what was your reason for doing this? Abraham replied, I said to myself, there's surely no fear of God in this place and they will kill me because of my wife, because she really is my sister, the daughter of my father, though not of my mother. And she became my wife. And then God had me wander from my father's household. And I said to her, now this is how you can show your love for me. Everywhere we go, save me. He is my brother. Then Abimelech brought sheep and cattle and male and female slaves to go to give them to Abraham. And he returned Sarah, his wife to him. And Abimelech said, my land is before you live wherever you like. To Sarah, he said, I'm giving your brother a thousand shekels of silver. This is to cover the offense against you before all who are with you. You are completely vindicated. The Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech, his wife and his female servants so they could have children again. For the Lord had kept all of the women in Abimelech's household from conceiving because of Abraham's wife, Sarah. That's Sarah. You also meet Hagar. So um, there's a lot going on there. So again, in this last story in Genesis 20, Abraham again asked Sarah to say, say you're my sister lie to them and say, you're my sister and that I'm your brother. So I guess I could go into a little bit of, so we've got these two women in Genesis. And I also want to, I want to introduce you to two other women in Genesis as well. So I'm just going to start with introducing to you all the women, and then we'll talk about the stories a little bit more. So the next two women I'm going to introduce you to are Rachel and Leah. They are sisters. So Laban, he was the relative of, I believe it was Isaac, and he had two daughters. And so Jacob was going to find his wife among his families, um, among his relatives, went and found, he ended up meeting Rachel and then went and met her dad, which is also his uncle Laban. So we're starting Genesis 29, 16 through 18. Now Laban had two daughters and the name of the older was Leah and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Two sisters, Leah and Rachel. Leah is described as having weak eyes and Rachel is described having a lovely figure and was beautiful. I don't know a ton about 
why that's in there or what that necessarily means. Um, it might just be a descriptor, but it says that Jacob was in love with Rachel. So then now in Genesis 29, 16 through 18, and then also 22 through 25 and 30. This was just kind of skipping around a little bit to get some of the story. So now Laban had the two daughters. The name of the older was Leah. Uh, Jacob was going to be getting ready. He was supposed to be, he worked for seven years. And so he was supposed to be getting married to Rachel. What ended up happening was in Genesis 18 or 29, I think it's 22 through 25, that Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. Um, so it was the wedding feast. But when the evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob and Jacob made love to her. Laban gave his servant Zilpah to his daughter as an attendant. So when morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you've done to me? I served for Rachel. Deny, why have you deceived me? And so there's a little bit of story about like what happened to, to Leah. Jacob was deceived more or less, but then he decided that I want Rachel. And so he decides to serve for another seven years because he wanted Rachel. And so he worked for another seven years and ended up getting to marry Rachel. Um, but then I think it might be Genesis 30 that it says like his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. So he's now married to these two sisters. He's married to both Leah and Rachel. And at some point in time in Genesis 29 through 31, we see that Leah is not loved. Um, when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben for, she said is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord heard that I am not loved. He gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon again. She conceived. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, now at least my husband will become attached to me because I've borne him three sons. So he was named Levi. She conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time we'll praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. And then she stopped having children. And so then we also have some in Genesis 31 through 25, when Rachel saw that she was not bearing Jacob any children, she became jealous of her sister. So she said to Jacob, give me children or I'll die. Jacob became angry with her and said, am I in the place of God? Who has kept you from having children? And then she said, here's Bilhah, my servant, sleep with her so that she can bear children for me. And I can too build a family through her. So she gave him her servant Bilhah as a wife. And Jacob slept with her. Does that sound familiar at all? And then she became a pregnant and bore him a son. Then Jacob said, God has vindicated me. He has listened. No, then Rachel said, God has vindicated me. He has listened to my plea and given me a son. Because of this, she named him Dan. Rachel's servant Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, I've had a great struggle with my sister and I have won. So she named him Naphtali. When Leah saw that she had stopped giving children, she took her servant Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, what good fortune. So she named him Gad. Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, how happy am I? The women will call me happy. So she named him Asher. And then during wheat harvest, Reuben went out to the fields and found some mandrake plants, which he had brought to his mother, Leah. Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, wasn't it enough that you took away my husband? Will you take my son's mandrakes too? Very well, Rachel said. He can sleep with you tonight in return for your son's mandrake. So when Jacob came in from the fields that evening, Leah went out to meet him. You must sleep with me, she said. I've hired you with my son's mandrakes. So she slept with her that night. God listened to Leah and she being pregnant and bore Jacob a fifth son. And then Leah said, God has rewarded me for giving my servant to my husband. So she named him Issachar. 
Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. Then Leah said, God has presented me with a precious gift. This time my husband will treat me with honor because I've borne him six sons. So she named him Zebulun. Sometime later, she gave birth to a daughter and named her Dina. Then God remembered Rachel. He listened to her and enabled her to conceive. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son and said, God has taken away my disgrace. She named him Joseph and said, may the Lord add to me another son. After Rachel gave birth to Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, send me on my way so I can go back to my homeland. So here we can see in Genesis, Genesis 29 and 30, that we have two sisters and we have a battle of the sisters. We have a sister who is called weak in the eyes and a sister that is called beautiful. But then we also have a sister that is unloved and we have a sister that is loved. And then we also have a sister that um, can conceive and a sister that gets jealous. We have quite the story going on here with these two sisters. So I have one more story to tell you, another woman to introduce you to, and then we can talk more about some maybe life lessons. Uh, so I'm going to introduce you to Hannah. So Hannah is in First Samuel, and we're going to start in chapter one, verses four through 20. So Hannah is the wife of this guy named Elkanah. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Peninnah, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb. Her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her until she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep English, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head. And she kept on praying to the Lord. Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but no voice, her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who's deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went away and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. And early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel saying, because I asked the Lord for him. So Hannah is unable to give, um, conceive. The Lord had closed her womb, but she had this rival that kept provoking her um, to irritate her to the point where she literally wept and could not eat. Um, and so she was in great distress. That's Hannah. So with all these stories, something that I really thought about like when I first ever like read the specifically the story of Rachel and Leah was that honestly, like we all have our problems um, more or less. I'm speaking to women because I'm a woman, but I think a big takeaway is that like we all have our problems. We all have different problems. And so let's go back to um, the story of Sarah. So in Sarah's story, She's considered beautiful, but her womb is closed. Um, she uh, hasn't been able to bear children. And so 
that's one thing that I just even like think about, like we all have our own struggles. And I think this can be, again, like this can just be related to like a life lesson in regards to like when we're looking at somebody else and we, whether we're envying, we're coveting, or even comparing, like we don't know what somebody else is struggling with. Um, we all have our own problems. Like I have my own problems and I don't know what other people are going through. And so this, these stories just really helped me to like open my eyes and my perspective to even that, like not like envy or covet or, and like realize that all of us have our own like struggles. Um, but then also with Sarah, like there's two times in the Bible where her husband says like, say you're my sister, say I'm your brother. And so with Sarah, like one of the things we could think about is like beauty might not always be like a good thing. Like in these stories, like in ways it was like causing her trouble. Like, and so I just like say that if we're talking about like appearance and image conversations that yes, I feel like, you know, our culture and our world like is so much idolizes beauty. Um, and but that it's not always a good thing. Like in this story, like it gave her problems. Like it made her husband be like, pretend you're my sister. So I'm going to give you away to these other men because of your beauty. Because if because of your beauty, they're going to kill me. So I just even think about like, if we're looking at other women and whether it's like we're comparing ourselves to them because of their beauty or whether we're envying or coveting them because of their beauty or even their appearance, like with their body, like we don't know necessarily, like, we don't know what kind of like problems that they might have going on in their own personal lives. Um, I think a problem with like the beauty issue in our culture too, is it can cause us so much to compete and be like an enemy, um, be enemies and be at odds with each other when we shouldn't be like, we are, we're all the children of God. Like we are <laughs> the family of Christ. We are more or less like they are sisters in Christ. But so just also to be mindful of, I even go back to thinking about objectification, just being very careful of when we are, let's say maybe objectifying somebody. But so with Sarah, yeah, I just think about her story. And then also like, yeah, she was beautiful, but she couldn't bear children for a long time. So she was known as being beautiful, but she couldn't bear children. So I just think about like, there's, yeah, there's women in the world that they can't bear children and they would want to so bad. And so in ways like that's a longing of their heart but they haven't been able to do that. Um, but then we do also see in these stories that God opens and closes wombs. Like he does that. Um, so just know that more or less, like the Lord is sovereign over those things. Um, but again, like we all have our own problems. Like someone could be, you could be long, you can be looking at a woman and you're like envying her beauty, but she could be in turn, like, you don't know that she's struggling with the fact that she can't bear children like, and how her heart is possibly like broken because she can't bear children. But then we also meet Hagar in these stories and Hagar, she's mistreated, man. She is mistreated by her owner. I don't know if that's a great word to hear it, but like she's mistreated by Sarah. And so it causes her to flee. Like Sarah treated her so bad that she more or less like ran away from her. And so God like met her and he saw her, God saw her, God saw her in her misery. Yeah. He met her there and he told her to go back to Sarah. But most importantly to remember, like God sees you in whatever, like you're going through and he can speak to you also in what you're going through. But again, like look what Hagar was going through. I guess you could just try and like step in her shoes to think about man, like what that might have been like for her in that situation and 
Then we've got the stories of Rachel and Leah, like, oh my goodness, the battle of the sisters. Like this was the one that really stood out to me is like, we all have like our own problems. So like you, Leah, she was off the bat described as having weak eyes. Um, but then she's given to Jacob first and he didn't want her. She, and it specifically says she was not loved. Um, and that Jacob loved Rachel. And so like, but then Leah was able to conceive, um, Leah had a ton of children initially. And so, yeah, Leah's having her own problems here, honestly, that she's unloved. She isn't loved by her husband. You see this so much in her story, uh, in the story where she keeps saying like, oh, maybe my husband will love me now, now that I've had another child, maybe this will happen. And so she has her own like problems that she's dealing with. Like she's married and she has kids, but she's unloved by her husband. Then you've got Rachel. Uh, Rachel is beautiful and she is loved by Jacob and he works seven years for her, but she can't conceive. And because she is childless and she gets jealous of her sister, it begins this battle of like battling it becomes she's battling with her sister it's like battle of the like give my servant so that she can have a baby so that i have a baby um and these sisters are literally battling back and forth for the for jacob their husband but then also for like who can have like babies and who can sleep with them and so rachel's like beautiful and loved by her husband and then she has this stuff going on where she can't bear children and then she's jealous um and then she's acting like angrily towards her husband. Um, and then each of those sisters just has their own like thing going on. Um, and it's just like, it's just so interesting to like, think about that, like, like one, like seeing the problems, like in this like family, but we all have like our own stuff going on, but then even, yeah, Hannah, um, Hannah is, Hannah's married. Um, and her husband gives her double portions and he loves her. But then her womb is closed um, and her rival keeps provoking her. And so she's having this awful like experience. Uh, so just like makes me think so much about how we just have our own set. Each of us has our own set of problems and our own struggles. And I think when it comes to, it's not even just like body image stuff, but I just feel like as women in this culture, we probably struggle so much with like comparison or envying or coveting or measuring ourselves up against like other women. And we're like in competition. And I feel like if we can have compassion and empathy and see that, man, there, we all have our own struggles. We all have our own problems. Um, I wonder if that can help us to see, um, each other differently and maybe to not covet, to not envy, and maybe to not compare and yeah, it's just like, I just loved reading these stories because for me, it just gave perspective. It just gave me so much like insight. And I just wanted to share these stories and share this information. And I don't necessarily know if this is like helpful or not, or if this is going to come across helpful, but I think, and I hope that it might, um, cause like even just, yeah, stepping into these women's shoes and just understanding that like, Every person out there has got something that they're probably dealing with. Just being mindful of that, that some people like you might be, yeah, again, like looking at somebody else for their beauty or their body, but you don't know what they've been through. You 
don't know what they struggle with. Um, and then it all just, I guess it comes back to knowing that whatever we're struggling with also God sees us, um, whether it's struggling, um, with like what Sarah was possibly like struggling with struggling with how, what was happening with like, she at points didn't have children, but I really am like thinking of like, man, like the Lord sees us, let's say in our rejections, the Lord sees us when we are having, let's say even like issues in relationships or whatever it might be, God sees us and he can also do some, I guess I want to say some interesting things in our struggles that we're having. So even think about like me was struggling with my body image. Like God has done some super cool stuff in my life through that. I mean, through walking that journey of healing that, but all in all to be said, I don't know if this necessarily applies to body image, but it could, because I feel like when we're struggling with our body image, it's also we in struggles with body image, like comparison often comes up. We measure ourselves up against other women and even if we're like looking at other people and thinking like, oh, they look better than me. Like you don't know what they're struggling with. And so we one need to not compare ourselves in that way. Um, but you just never, you never know, but hopefully these stories were helpful. Hopefully this gave you some insight and thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for uh, listening and I'll see you on the next episode.